Thanks for listening to this podcast of Bet MGM Tonight. Our show is live every weeknight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on Odyssey radio stations around the country. Odyssey.com, as well as the Odyssey app. Let's talk some college football with our guy right now, Mark Zeno from Sports Grid. Joined us last week. Great picks. Joins us again here tonight. Mark, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you doing tonight? Brian Quinn, gentlemen, always great to be with you. So we had a good week zero. Illinois uh, wins outright, which was a pleasant surprise for us, although I kind of saw that coming with Nebraska. They've been a little bit of a disaster under Scott Frost. It'll be interesting to see how that ends with him. Uh, Anything that you absolutely love coming up this week, and we will start with tomorrow night on Thursday night. you got Ohio State and Minnesota. Ohio State, new quarterback. Uh, They literally have to replace every single linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. I do like their front four. But some question marks for Ohio State, even though they do have Ryan Day and we expect them to win the Big Ten pretty easily. What are you thinking about that one? Well, this is a situation, guys, where I think there's sort of correlating bets here. Uh, I, I think if you are feeling Minnesota, you're going to run with the under. Uh, and if you're feeling Ohio State, you're probably going to go with the over. As you mentioned, look, the back end of Ohio State's defense last year was bad, but their run defense was really, really good. And so that begs the question, what does P.J. Fleck do on, on offense? Will he try to run the ball with any measure of authority against an Ohio State defense that typically has been very good up front in stopping the run? Or will he try to throw against a defense, you know, a back seven or in a back end that's sort of been revamped but was bad last year? Ryan Day is 6-1 against the spread uh, as a road favorite. So he's got a good track record of being good on the road. But I think here, and shop around, guys, because the numbers fluctuated a little bit. The, the over-under opened up at 64, 64 and a half. I see it down at 63 in certain places. I'd shop around and try to get the best number you have. I lean on the under here in this spot, given the fact that it is C.J. Stroud, the redshirt freshman, yeah. making his first start. And it's going to be a little bit slow offensively for Ohio State. But that said, too, guys, look, if Ohio State shows up like we expect them to and they start boat racing Minnesota early, with Oregon, with Oregon coming up next week, they may do exactly what UCLA did against Hawaii, and that's take their foot off the pedal in the second half here, which is why I sort of really like the under in this spot here. But I think with the under correlates to Minnesota being able to keep this game close, um, closer than 14. And again, shop around. If you get it at 14 and a half, I like Minnesota a little bit better if you're feeling that the, the side is the better play. But my play on this game is the under, guys. And if you can get it at 64, 64 and a half, I feel a lot better at that. Yeah, uh I ended up going with Minnesota when I had the hook. I got the 14 and a half. I, I just think that they'll be able to run the football. I, I just, what do you expect out of Minnesota's offense? Because Mike Sanford now takes over as offensive coordinator. You got Tanner Morgan. It seems like he's been there for like 14 years. Do you expect much of the same that we saw last year? Or do you think they're going to add some new wrinkles this year with the new coordinator? Yeah, I mean, look, it was an up-and-down year last year for Minnesota. They're trying to bounce back after two years ago being one of the most impressive teams in the country. So uh, I think P.J. Fleck will want to get some sort of consistency on offense. But, again, you're running right into, uh, you know, the teeth of this defense up front if that's the route you choose to go. Um, And and could it be a case where um, they they feel comfortable enough to throw the ball with some regularity uh, against this Ohio State team? I would think they'll try to score, and knowing that they're going to have to score against an Ohio State team that regardless of who they put in quarterback the last three seasons, they've been able to find the end zone with a whole bunch of regularities, you know, averaging over 40 points a game. So from that standpoint, yeah, I I think that Minnesota has to score in this game. But if it's a slow start for Ohio State offensively, and it's one of those things where P.J. Fleck wants to run the ball to keep the pace down and keep the ball out of Ohio State's offense, then, yeah, again, I, I think the under comes in. I think Minnesota's got a great shot to cover. Mark, we forgot to ask you this at the top of the interview, but do you watch Golden Girls? <laughs> 
You know, uh, believe it or not, I, I actually am a fan of the show. I'm not a, I, I don't watch it and rerun as much as I used to, but, you know, listen, thank you for being a friend. I can tell you that much. Thank you for being a friend. Mark, I always knew I, I loved you, man. I, we were sitting in here. Everybody's they're, they're looking at me weird because I know Golden Girl references. Okay, my grandma used to have it on. I used to have to clean up around the house. It's always a good midday show to come on and just binge watch. Them. Estelle Getty was great with the one-liners, man. I mean, she just absolutely nails every one of them. Come on, Mark. Hashtag people forget. Mark, um, one of my favorite plays this weekend is that Clemson game against Georgia. I'm actually on the under. I think, Ryan, are you on the under in that one too? 51 and a half is the number? Yeah, I got it at 52 now. It was down to 50 and a half. It was slightly juiced to the over, but uh, I still like the under, man. I think I, I just I like the front four for both teams. So, Mark, how are you feeling about that side total, whatever, and that Clemson-Georgia game? And also, any other plays that you absolutely love um, in week one here in the CFB? Sure. Again, I'm with you on on the under 100%. I, I can't take a side in this game. I just don't know what Georgia's injury status is. They've had a rash of injuries, you know, and, and Kirby Smart loves to keep them close to the vest about what he's going to do. So I really have no idea who's a full go, who's 100%, who's not going to play at all. And some of the injuries are to their secondary, uh, as well as tight end Eric Gilbert, you know, who transferred over from LSU, a big-time playmaker on offense. Um, and here's the other thing that makes me rely on the under. Because, again, like I said, I just I, – I, even at three-and-a-half guys, I don't have a lot of confidence not knowing who's playing. If I were to get the hook with Georgia, I'd be a little bit more comfortable. But I, I, it's just there's too many question marks. But here's the thing about the under and that, that I've said to everybody more than anything. I know Kirby Smart is JT Daniels. I know JT Daniels is now an early Heisman favorite. And I know that Todd Munkin has this great desire to be able to throw the ball all over the place. And if you look at the numbers of Georgia's offense in the back half of last year, the final four games – JT Daniels' numbers were consistent with everybody, you, you know, uh, all the big quarterbacks in the country, Mac Jones and, and everybody else, and the numbers that they were putting up towards the end of the year. So there's reason to believe in Georgia that all of a sudden, you know, this, they're, they're going to explode with an offense that resembles something in 2021. But here's the rub. Kirby Smart, in every big game he's ever played in, is going to default to what Kirby Smart does. And that's run the ball and play defense because he knows it's a formula that will always keep his team in the game, and he knows it's a formula that he can win with. I don't see Georgia coming out in this game against Clemson with a four-wide set and one running back and sending five people out you know, to run all over the field at JTD. I just don't see it. I, I think he's going to rely on what he knows and try to slow this game down and muck it up, which makes me believe that the under is probably a better play here. Um, the only way I think the over comes in is that if Clemson gets to 27 you know, sometime in the third quarter, and it's forcing Georgia to throw relentlessly um, to try and play catch-up, uh, and you get some garbage-time scores from Clemson, some garbage-time scores from Georgia, and, and it pushes the total over. That's, that's really the only game script I see where this thing goes over. Um, so I'm with you guys on the under in that game. Yeah, the I completely game, agree. I, I will look at that I like, and, and, and just, just call this just one of these things that just doesn't add up for me. I'll stay in Georgia, and I'll take Northern Illinois – getting 18 against Georgia Tech. Yeah. This is a number that just doesn't sit right at all with me. Jeff Collins is four. I, I think he's, he's seven, 13 and one against the spread uh, as a coach. Um, and he's been really bad as far as, you know, hitting the number in his, in his early tenure. This is too many points for a Georgia Tech offense that has, you know, Jeff Sims, a quarterback last year that threw 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. I think they'll try to open it up for the kid a little more. And I know that Northern Illinois was bad um, and, and they're not exactly, you know, a high-caliber team. But this is just too many points for, for a Georgia Tech offense that cannot find the end zone with any regularity, guys. I mean, I, I, again, and Thomas Hammock um, has, has started to cover a little bit more uh, in the MAC early on. But, again, and, and oh, by the way, uh, yeah, Jeff Collins, 0-5 
against non-ACC teams in his tenure there. So this is enough for me to look at Northern Illinois as, as, as a good trend, uh, and, and I would I would I would, sw- I would take the points with, with the Huskies. Yeah, I love that pick right there. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on North Carolina this season because I love Sam Howell. I think that he has a shot to maybe be the best quarterback in the country. I know everybody's all over Spencer Rattler, and you know anytime Alabama debuts a new quarterback, we expect big things now, especially after what we saw from Mac Jones. I'm looking at the game on Friday night. They're on the road. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. I just feel like we're over overhyping Carolina. I know last year they were able to run the ball. They bring back one of the best quarterbacks, but number nine in the country, I just feel like they're a top 20 team. I think top 10, I think they're a little overrated. What are your thoughts on the Tar Heels coming into the season, Mark? I mean, look how much they've lost on offense, right. guys. Look at how much a percentage of the yardage that they put up last year they've lost on offense. So you're asking an awful lot um, of a quarterback to be able to make that up, and you're asking an awful lot of, of the players who didn't see a lot of, of the time in the field last year because of how dominant they were um, to, to do it this year. I, I'm with you on how I, I think he's going to be end up being a first round quarterback when it's all said and done. Um, but I, I need a little bit more data points on North Carolina at this point. Are they probably overrated um, because of what they did last year? Yeah, but that happens every year. And you'll find out within the first couple of weeks for North Carolina who they are. Virginia Tech, Georgia State, and Virginia in the first three games, and then Georgia Tech. So it's not exactly like a murderer's row schedule. And that really should tell you more than anything about where North Carolina is. Um, I, this is a stay-away game for me. Uh, I just don't like the number. Um, and, and Virginia Tech and Lane Stadium are always a difficult place to play. But they're not exactly loaded with talent either, uh, the, the Hokies are, and and if it means anything to you, they're 4-0 against the spread hosting North Carolina um, in the last four games where they, they've had them at, at Lane Stadium. Some of those trends don't really matter because coaches and players and everything change, but still, uh, I'll stay away from this game and watch it closely out of the corner of my eye to see what North Carolina can put forward uh, to look for them in the future when they start playing some more high-level opponents. We're joined now by Mark Zeno of SportsGrid. Mark, a quick transition here to the NFL. Anything you love in the pros week one? I'm all over San Francisco against Detroit. I think Detroit sucks. I mean, sucks. I mean, everybody knows Detroit sucks, and I think San Francisco's a really good team. Anything else that you like around the NFL in Week One? Uh, I, I got to tell you, when the Lions came out, I looked at that seven and a half and said, "Give me the Lions." Um, and and wow. here, I, I know it's crazy, but here's the thing: one, okay, the Lions don't know they're bad yet. Dan Campbell doesn't know that he's bad yet. Um, so th- there's there's a lot of things at stake here. One. I'm questioning the confidence level of Jimmy Garoppolo at this point in time. Uh, There's been so much scuttle about Trey Lance and whether he should start and everything else. And now you see Mac Jones get the start and how much longer is, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be able to keep his job? It's got to be in his head a little bit that Kyle Shanahan is thinking about Trey Lance because he drafted him and and Garoppolo knows his tenure is short, but it's a question of how well he plays early on. So every throw is going to be a high pressure situation for Garoppolo. And I'm not sure how much I trust in there. That said, again, it's that hook that really entices me. Um, uh, and, and we don't know what this offense is because Garoppolo hasn't played. And wh- wh- what are we talking about here, guys? 18 months, you know, somewhere in that range where he hasn't taken a snap for the Niners. So it's been a really long time uh, that we've seen Garoppolo at the helm for this team. And so I, I don't know offensively what they're going to be able to give. Uh, I love the weapons on San Fran, but I would tell you that, that defensively, uh, maybe the only strong point for the Lions that they may get after a little bit. And, you know, Dan Campbell's a little bit nuts. I, I just, again, you have a West Coast team coming east. Does that matter as much as it used to? Not necessarily for one o'clock kickoff, especially since it's week one. But it's just too many points on the road 
uh, for this team right now for me to trust them. It's the biggest spread of week one, uh, and everybody's thinking like you are. I'll fade the public here, uh, and I'll fade the, 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 the heavy Super Bowl favor with the 49ers sitting, I think, at like 14-1 to 1 at this point in time. And I'll take the seven and a half points. And, and not think, I don't think Detroit's going to win the game, but I think they keep it close enough to cover. Mark, we only got about 60 seconds, unfortunately, but if there was a live dog that you think could win outright week one of college football, who do you think it would be? Is there anyone that you'd like? Uh, a live dog in week one. Um, if you don't have one, that's I mean, okay, because I'm looking at it and I'm can, like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, do, you, do you give Miami the puncher's chance against Alabama? Um, the only other live dog I would really look at is Indiana, guys, going into into Iowa. Yeah. Um, the team trends for Indiana are really favorable in this spot. Look, it's hard to bet against Kirk Ferentz in Iowa because they play really well there. Uh, and Iowa's got uh, – it's not necessarily a look-ahead game. They get Iowa State next week, and early on, you know – uh, a rivalry matchup. Um, and so uh, I think Indiana here as a dog is the right play uh, on the right side. I really wanted to take Iowa when I, when I first saw the number, but you start to handicap this thing a little bit more and the trends are showing you and the favor, the, you know, the, it's leaning towards Indiana is the play. That'd be the only other live dog I look at um, in that spot as far as a team that I could bet uh, the money line on, especially given where it is. If you're getting plus 150 or a little bit higher, I'd take Indiana on the money line as much as I would get in the three and a half. Love it, man. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. Enjoy the games this week. We have to have you on again soon, uh, especially before that I, before that Cyclone game, man. I'm actually jacked for that Iowa-Iowa State game. That's a huge <laughs> game. Thanks so much, man. See you later, fellas. You're the best. Hashtag Mark Zeno, girls. Sports Grid, good stuff right there. Dude, that week two game between Iowa and Iowa State, now it's a rivalry game. Like every, The fans always go crazy for it. Yeah. But both teams, like this is the highest expectations ever. And if USC doesn't win 9-10 games this year, I think that there's going to be a coaching change. And I think if Iowa State wins 9-10 games this year, even if they don't and they underperform, I think Matt Campbell will be the head coach of UFC ne- USC? USC next year. Mm. That's that's my prediction. Because I think that if they live up to the expectations, Iowa State this year, win 10 games, raise. win 11 games, win a bowl game again, I think that he's gone, unfortunately, for Iowa State fans. Hey, who, will hate me, who will hate me if they hear that? Somebody needs to clip this and bring this up in about a year or so. Might be sitting on a gold mine.